Plot twists. We are obsessed with them. In film, life and love, they turn up everywhere. It's that moment in a story that takes you in an unexpected direction. I'm Tom, super fan of cinema, sport, comedy, and I'm part of the odd impression. And throughout this series, brought to you by Now and Sky, I'll be interviewing TV and film stars, asking them all about the plot twist moments that define their lives and careers. So expect the unexpected, and hopefully some behind-the-scenes gems you've never heard before. Expect spoilers. My guest this week is one of the most exciting acting talents in the world. Highly respected for his performances in the Royal Shakespeare Company, where he's won multiple awards in Hamlet and King Lear, for example. But then, Papa Essidou, he hit it big. Oh, yeah. I May Destroy You, starring opposite his friend and writer Michaela Cole, who, by the way, is another superb acting talent. But his performances as Kwame in that show were, they were considered groundbreaking and had particularly challenging scenes throughout the show themes of sexual assault, a subject matter that the show explored with incredible nuance alongside attitudes towards different genders, sexualities and backgrounds. He was he was widely praised for that performance. He was magnetic, he was brilliant. And he's been on an upward trajectory ever since. And something that I really love about Papa is he's never afraid to challenge himself. And he's back in the second series of The Lazarus Project, a Sky original series available on Sky and now the show explores the theme of time travel. I don't know about you, I am fascinated with this concept. Have you ever sat down with friends or family and had that kind of broader discussion? Like, if you could go back in time, where would you go? Who would you see? What would you do? If you went back to certain places, how would you behave? That's a big one too. It's fascinating. And The Lazarus Project sees George, played by Papa. He's an unexpected recruit to the Lazarus Project. It is a program which can manipulate time to save the world from apocalyptic events, and it has done so many times. It's quite scary. However, if you go back in time, you could change history. So you've got to be very careful. And George has a much more personal reason for wanting to go back and rewind time. I'm not going to give much more away, except that Series 2 has the same chaotic, frenetic energy as Series 1. And both Papa and Charlie Clive are sensational. So you know about my interest in time travel. I was very keen to talk to Papa about that. He's got a very unique story, how he got into acting, and I was really intrigued to know what plot twist moments he might actually pull out. So let's just dive straight in. Here is the marvellous and magnetic Papa Essidou on Plot Twist. <laughs> let's chat. <laughs> Papa, good to have you on. Thank you so oh, much mate, for being what here. A pleasure to be on. Thank you for inviting me. I love the me. top, by the way. I love the football top. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's made by a brand called Palace, who I'm a big fan of. Yeah, I like it. But yeah. it's got a kind of like Napoli, like eighties. Yeah. Well, that's Italian when you walk past. I was like, that's a Napoli thing. top. Yeah, yeah, it looks like one, but it I don't does, think it, it actually does. is. Yeah, nice. Maybe next season. Yeah. You see, I did all this research looking into your story and your life and career, but I couldn't work out who your football team was. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, I couldn't see. I'm anywhere. actually quite. I'm quite upfront about it. I'm a, I'm a big Man United fan. That's probably oh, wow. why, though. Let's, qu let's quit the interview. <laughs> Slam the laptop. Right you know what? I'm the one who's suffering out here, so... Yeah, that's true. That's you know true. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. do you support? Southampton. Southampton? Well, I've, been, I've been suffering in a different way. Oh, so, wow. I've got yeah. a mate who's a big Southampton fan. Proper, proper football team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's really good to have you on. And 
I was speaking with my producer before and we were saying, oh yeah, you know, we're in our ninth series of the podcast. Do you still get a bit of nerves and that hour before you get that build up? But you've got quite a good technique before a big show or certainly in the theatre where you do a bit of yoga, is that right? And like good relaxing techniques. I feel like yeah. I could benefit from this. I don't know if it would work so much for this kind of situation. But uh, I, I, yeah, I, I suppose when you're doing plays because... Like, obviously, we've got, like, the beautiful people in this room right now, but, like, you're going out in front of, like, 900,000 people, you know, who've all paid to be there and and so on and so forth. And often it's, like, quite high octane, whatever you're, you're wrestling with. So, for me, like, people have different... Loads of people want to get really amped up before they go on stage, but I try to get, like, as relaxed as possible. Drop the heartbeat. Yeah. 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 Have you seen that um, documentary about freediving? I'm not sure. Amazing. It's called The Deepest Breath. It's about um, these people who do this sport called uh, freediving where, like, without any, like, scuba equipment or anything, dive a hundred metres down into the ocean and then back up. And that's all about, like, slowing your heartbeat down and, like, getting your body down to its most minimum requirements. Complete relaxation. And then you have to swim back up, so... I feel a bit of anxiety though. You know what I mean? Yeah. That feels pretty, pretty hectic. Yeah, but if they can do that, we can do this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, there's a few things I want to do today. It's a bit of fun, some serious stuff. I've got to talk about the show. I watched it all yesterday again and episode one for yeah. series two. It's, yeah, it's the drama, the carrying on from season one. It's, it's awesome. So I've got, to, I've got to really dive, dive into that. But I want to do a little bit of a name game. Oh, a little bit of fun. So I'm going to throw a name at you, and maybe you just give me a few thoughts. There's people associated with you. Okay. So, Deborah Finley. Deborah Finley? Yeah. OG. Like, <laughs> put some respect on the woman's name, right? She's been out here in these streets since the 90s. She's, like, a very, very, very um, uh, important figure in my life. She was, like, my my first mentor in the industry when I came out of drama school. Um, you, you get set up with someone who's in the industry. Couldn't find someone more different to me, you know? Like, okay. um, But, like, she's, like, her heart is huge and, like, she's so, 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 so brilliant, um, both on screen and on stage. And, yeah, the most lovely woman. Um, yeah, put some respect on Deborah Finley's name because she's she's, she's 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 one of a kind. Do you still check in with her now? Like, yeah, all the time. Yeah, and... she's got she she lives in well, yeah she lives in London and uh, but like has got like a garden that looks like something from Wind Wind and Willows. So oh, okay, like it's like yeah the most like serene um, place in 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 the city probably. So I go there and just chill out in that garden. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Come in like Mr. Toad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Troughton. Sam Charlton. Um What can I say about Sam? Sam it's, is... it's funny because he's, he's part of your story, but also he's in series two. Yeah, I know. So, project. like, he's, he's reinvented himself as a character <laughs> in my life. Yeah. You know? So we did a play together um, ten years ago, probably, at the National Theatre, and I was understudying him. And um, But, like, I'd also seen him when I was in drama school play Romeo for the RSC and, like, just, like, kind of, like, quite Titanic figure um, that I, I really looked up to or look up to. and But, like, in, in Series 2 of Lazarus Project, we're co-partners and he's just, like, hilarious. He's also an enormous Man United fan, so... Oh, really? That's where a lot of our, bit, our bit kind bonding, of, like, shared I? trauma okay. kind of comes yeah. from. That's brought us um, very closely together. But I love Sam. That's cool. We'll come back to that story because that's quite interesting with him because yeah. I feel like it's a plot twist moment that's quite a standout. Sure, sure, for you. sure, sure, sure. Um, but next one is a friend of the podcast, but somebody you've worked with, Lenny James. 
Lenny, big Lenny what James. Guy. What a guy, man. He's the like <laughs> the sexiest man in London is what they call him. <laughs> um, yeah, Lenny James, he's family to me. We did a play last year called The Number at the Old Vic. Um, two-hander where I play uh, three different versions of his son but yeah he's got like incredibly paternal energy towards me as well and he's one of the reasons I became an actor he did a play and a TV show yeah short uh, I guess a feature length TV show called Fallout in maybe 2007 or whatever Mm. I watched that and watched this performance in it and it really made me think, wow, there's, there, there is something to this acting lark and there are some people out there who are British and black and amazing at it and I want to be like that. So he, he was a big reason why I, want, I wanted to become an actor in the first place. So it was a dream come true to even meet him, let alone work with him. But yeah, he's a dream. Yeah, we love Lenny. He's cool. Yeah. I love his story, how he got into acting. I think he was he was trying to uh, court this, this young lady and then he followed her to the theatre and then actually finds out he's got a talent for it himself. And you know what? I, the rest I'm, is history. I, I'm not saying anything about that. I've got nothing but love and respect for his wife, Giselle, and I, as far as I know, she, she's the only woman that he's ever had eyes for. So. That's pretty cool. That's pretty special. Um, Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy, yes. Um, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to work with Melissa last year, or this year, and you know that thing they say, you never meet your heroes or whatever, you know, or like they're never going to be as good in real life. She like really debunks that kind of myth, you know, she's so intelligent. I totally believe that. She's so smart and so nice and so obviously funny, you know, so yeah, the time that I spent with her like on set was beautiful, but like what I really kind of... um holds close to my heart is the time that we've just like spent together off set and, and talking shit and <laughs> her telling me about her life and her family and all of that she's wonderful she's hilarious too right I mean, yeah she's funny I guess you yeah, know, but... yeah there's that scene I don't know what film it is but she's with Paul Rudd and yeah. she's in, she's in improv comedy and she's just this, insulting and this is like, 40 yeah oh my yeah, god yeah. the blue for real from yeah. that is just like absolutely I love a good blue <laughs> Um, you mentioned about Lenny James being an inspiration in 2007. Yeah. And you were around 15 when you first started looking into acting. Well, actually a bit later, about 17, 18. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, what, what was the switch that kind of ignited that? Because... Yeah, I, I suppose that's a similar route to what Lenny had. Like, I had there was, let's say, someone that I was interested in who, who was going to do this thing called National Youth Theatre, um, which I'd never really heard about and or, or didn't really know that anyone anyone who had done it I didn't kind of grow up going to the theatre when I, I I always loved television loved films and loved Christmas time because that's when like the films from the movies were going to be on television you know so you could watch them for free um, but I kind of didn't really connect to that job as some uh, to, to the role of an actor as being a job you know I thought they were just like mm. film stars, celebrities. They existed in this different planet, in this universe, and they were just born like that, and that's what they did. Yeah. I didn't realise it was something that you could learn about, you could like develop, you could go on your own career pathway to get towards. Um, but yeah, then then I kind of yeah, so I followed this girl to National Youth Theatre. She disappeared, but and I was there uh, for two weeks. And yeah, suddenly surrounded by different people, different people who were like very different to the people I kind of grew up with or went to school with, or whatever, um, who were really excited about like theatre, plays, auditions, drum school, all of that kind of stuff. And that kind of like provides a little pathway, doorway into a new world for me, which I just loved. I was going to go down a different route. I was going to be be a doctor at a place mm. at medical school, but I was kind of. Like, so that was locked in. 
That was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was gonna go to UCL, but like I was just like, ugh, you know, you've been you, you're you're anyone's very lucky at eighteen to know what they want to do, and like. You know, you've been at school for 14 years by that point, and they were like, what, another seven years to do it? I was like, no, no thank you. Um, so yeah, kind of took a year out, did did a bit more exploring of myself and the world, and then came back and went to drum school, and it kind of went off from there. Do you remember that first sort of interaction with the audience that maybe kind of gave you that bit of buzz, that bit of energy? Yeah, I did, a, I did a school play. I did... Um... Oh, me and my girl? Yeah, oh, you know about it, yeah. yeah I do, I do, I do. You've done I your research. A bit, yeah. yeah, I did me and my... Oh, I, I said I did me and my girl. I was... I played a postman <laughs> in me and my girl. <laughs> and I had, like, one scene. Um, and I can't even remember what the line was, but I had, like, some, like, dumb, like, joke line that made people laugh. And suddenly, like, people are coming up to me and, like, talking about it. And, yeah, there's a, there's a certain, you know, rush when you, like, a light on something that feels truthful between yourself and the audience mm. that is validating and illuminating and kind of, yeah kind of wonderful so like my kind of career onwards has been like kind of trying to recreate that moment on the grander scale and and try and make it a sustainable thing for me to be able to survive off of there's a lot of uh, comedians and theater performers we've had on the podcast and there is that that interaction, something that they personally delivered, and the audience, re you know, receiving that in such a positive light, it's mm. something addictive that mm. they just want to then, you know, keep mm. repeating and repeating. Yeah, um, I guess sense. particularly with like live performance, it's it's a shared experience, you know, and like no comedy show, no gig, no football. Oh, I mean, anything that's live doesn't really kind of exist with the same vivacity or vibrance in in isolation mm. it only exists or it only comes to life or it only becomes like something meaningful when it's shared with, with, with someone be it one person in the audience or 1000 you know so um yeah i've been really fortunate to work in in live theater quite a lot or relatively a relatively high amount in my career and yeah, don't play like, it down. You can't, yeah, you know, well, I mean, it's like, like, come on. We're talking about Deborah Finley like five minutes ago. You know, she's been in the game for a minute. You know, so I'm still like putting putting her on the pedestal that she 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 rightly deserves to be on. But like in in the jobs that I've done, like uh, it, it's something that has given me so much joy and pleasure, and um, yeah, so much learning as well. I want to talk more about some of the roles you've taken on and sure. and, the, and the I suppose the decision making behind it, mm -hmm. but. Let's go to a plot twist, the first one. It's, I guess, the ultimate plot twist in, in your story. So we see it a lot in TV and film and sort of something we don't expect and it can change the trajectory, the story, the narrative of that individual, yeah. potentially. What's the biggest one for you? Oh, you're asking me what the biggest plot twist? Yeah, for you and your of story. My, this is about your story. Damn. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I've really said the med school to drama school plot twist, which was a big one at the time, you know, cause I was really kind of like set on that route and like to go to med school is not easy. You've got to like do all these science levels and you've got to do these like aptitude tests and you've got to do like work experience. You smart I worked in like a old people's home for like two and a half years, worked in a co-op pharmacy for free, you know? So like throwing all of that away to kind of like do this thing that I'd never done before was a big plot twist, but other than that, it, I kind of, I, I honestly do kind of feel it every single time. I feel like every job that I take feels like a plot twist and feels like it's um, entering into the unknown, you know? Like, I remember I went to the RSC to play Hamlet in Hamlet, 
you know? And like, this was a play that I kind of grown up like really, really loving. And I'd seen like David Tennant do it and thought like, ah, you can never get to that level. I'd seen like German productions of it, Ben mm. Cumberbatch, all, all of that. And then I was doing it. So like to kind of like re-characterize or reassess yourself in that way takes a lot of, um, I suppose, psychological shifting. But um, yeah, as, as soon as I started doing it, it really felt like that was the place that I deserved to be at or it felt like the right place for me to be. So it felt like a plot twist until I was doing it and then I was on plot, you know. But I kind of feel like that in every single thing I, I, I've done, even like like going on to I May Destroy You, um, Michaela Cole, she's a she's an old mate of mine. You know, we went to drum school together, very, very close, we go on holidays together, all of that stuff. But um, we'd never really spoken about working together. So like we'd we'd uh, like we'd been talking about the show that ended up becoming I May Destroy You just as friends. So I'd be like, "What are you up to? You're mm. writing, blah, blah blah. Sounds interesting, blah blah blah." I got brought into that um, into onto that project not by Michaela, by a casting director. So a casting director said, "Oh, we've got this project that we think you might be right for. Do you want to audition for it?" And I was like, that's written by my friend. And then I told Michaela, you know, I'm coming in for your show. And she was like, <laughs> are you? She was like, really? She looked kind of like disappointed, you know? <laughs> but then obviously, like, we ended up doing it and blah, blah, and, and, and the rest is history. But even that's, it, 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 well, that... That was never, huge, wasn't it? It was massive, yeah. But it never, it never feels preordained, you know? It never mm. feels like, oh, that was the thing that I was born to do, and then you do it, and then it happens in exactly the way that you expect it to do. It always, there, there is always an element of surprise or a kind of uh, circumnavigated way to, to get to where you end up being, which I think sometimes actually allows, it takes the pressure off of you or mm. it takes the anxiety that comes with like trying to force your way down a certain pathway away from you. Sometimes you just got to like release yourself to the the chaos of, of life. Interesting on that point, you mentioned like David Tennant, for example. Yeah. You kind of implied almost a bit of sort of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Which, which is understandable. I mean, David Tennant, obviously, yeah. fantastic performer, but other things that you've said in the past which I, I found really interesting were almost about trying to retain some authenticity. Yeah. That in the industry, you can kind of get positioned to be this role, do this, uh -huh. you're this, you're that. Uh -huh. And you said, no, you've got to try and retain who you are and uh -huh. believe in that. Uh -huh. How have you tried to, do you, do you have to just sort of to remind yourself and focus on that? How do you sort of retain that sort of authentic approach and think I've got to be true to myself regardless of whether that's right for this or not? Yeah, with much consciousness because like I feel like if you allow yourself to give away that power or if you allow yourself to be passive um, in, in your own journey, then people will... You leave yourself very vulnerable to people like typecasting you or telling you you're, you've got to be this kind of person, this kind mm. of character, this kind of actor, whatever. Because it's easy, you know, and like everyone's stressed, everyone's busy, and no one's it. got, no one cares about you as much as you think they do, and you know, like you've got responsibility to yourself to protect your own authenticity and your own sense of self, and ultimately, that's I think what draws and attracts people to you as an artist, as a performer. You know, like the, there's a reason why we love. Denzel Washington because he's Denzel Washington. There's a reason why we love Meryl Streep is because she's Meryl Streep. It's not because she's trying to cosplay as someone else. It's because she has been the most authentic and perfect version of herself. Viola Davis exactly the same. So we've all got the we've got we've all got the responsibility to, you know, like love and protect our whoever we are, and then share that with people. You know, because that's what that's essentially what 
kindness in a way. Isn't you, it? Yeah, it's it's a very generous act, mm. you know, both to yourself and to other people. Yeah, when you mention those names, I think actually, yeah, kindness kind of yeah to them. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. Lazarus Project. The Lazarus Project. Let's talk about it. Yes. So, as I say, I binged all of it again yesterday. Thank you. And if, I mean, it's just this emotional roller coaster. It's gripping. Yeah. It must be. It must be incredibly fun to do. I imagine. I just get the vibe from watching you in the cast. It must be very, very much enjoyable. But I think with the story, I time travel is like quite a sexy sort of concept. But in this, it makes me feel like I'm not sure if I want to be a part of that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think Joe's. So Joe Barton, our, our writer, who is um incredible incredibly successful but also just like a, a kind of singular mind um yeah from the jump was really keen to i suppose like dig into what time or into the reality of time travel you know which kind of feels ridiculous to say but yeah it can be seen as this like quite frivolous kind of or like light-hearted uh, conceit that um, we uh, so many of the movies and TV shows of the years that we loved uh, based upon, but we really wanted to like go into like what is the moral, what is the emotional, what is the psychological implication of being involved in, uh, or having or being presented with the responsibility around time travel. Mm. You know, so like yeah, we we obviously do have a lot of fun, and like we're very fortunate in the fact that in the Lazarus Project we've got like a cast of like some of the best best and and kindest actors in this country but um but yeah there there is also something very serious and very thrilling and very um there's something to play for at the center of what the show is built around and um yeah i think that's why we've had so much enjoyment making it and so far it's been such a success in terms of the audience that it's managed to garner tell me about your dreams so you've been reading the script <laughs> late at night. I, I don't sleep much. <laughs> but is it true that, that some of the stories are kind of almost getting into your dreams in terms of time travel? Is that, I read um, that, but is that a true story? You read that? Yeah, I read that you've been reading the script late at night and sometimes the... Yeah, the I of... mean, like that often happens to me, to be honest. Like, I, I can't blame Joe specifically for that. Like, we, we, we've, we've, like, I'm a little bit like all or nothing when it comes to things that I get involved with. But like, definitely when I'm, when when we're working on this, I, I, I'm not lying. I don't sleep a lot. I probably get about five, six hours sleep okay. like, when we're working on this, just because it's like so, it's so high octane and like it takes brain power just to understand what's for me what's going on and I've got scripts in front of me you know but like we we don't shoot in order we shoot in a location based means so like the situations are very 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 uh, all-encompassing for me so yeah like often there, there's a bit of a uh, not life imitating art but like what's happening on on screen it's happening in my head it's happening in my dreams it's happening in my head it's happening on screen so it's a bit of a I won't say it's a toxic loop but it's a uh, yeah it takes a lot of my uh my bandwidth how, how do you feel like you personally would deal with the situations that george finds himself <laughs> in because <laughs> at, at the end of series one and at the beginning of series two he's in this sort of three-week loop yeah. isn't he so he keeps going back every three weeks because at the end of that three weeks the world is it two black holes that kind of yes. emerge and two singularities yeah. yeah yeah how would you deal with that personally because i i looked at that i was like i would i'd really struggle yeah i don't think george sleeps an, uh, an awful lot either but um 
I suppose there are similarities and differences between me and George. I try not to ju- judge George ever, and think like George has got a huge heart, and he's very he's very led by his heart, you know, and by his principle and by his integrity. Even though like that can be called into a question when you look at the things that he does, but like in his mind, he always does it for the right reason, you know, or for the right person. And yeah, like in in the in the first series, we kind of really like follow him, kind of like coming up against this question of does he do what is right for him as an individual or does he do what is right for the greater good and then as we move into the second series that question kind of shifts into like what happens when you're not so sure that the greater good is really the greater good and when 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 that comes into question where is where does your responsibility lie then so yeah, uh, he's 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 a guy who's got big questions on on his on his head on it, on his hearts and on his shoulders. But yeah, he's he's a fighter and he definitely perseveres. You can understand the motive behind it. He wants to bring back the love of his life, yeah. essentially, and that's yeah. what he does do. But yeah. obviously, the implications of that are not just as straightforward as well. We'll just go back to how it was before. Yeah. Well, though, I've got a bone to pick, right? So I think it's in episode eight mm-hmm. when George tells Sarah. And he reveals what he's a part of. Mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit more enticing. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, she's interested. Mm-hmm. She couldn't just like the nice guy. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with the nice guy? What's wrong with the nice guy? Yeah, like me, George before. Oh, he's just I a nice see. Yeah, guy, yeah, 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 right. right. It's one. But then once he's he part of this Lazarus project. Bit. He's killing people, and it's like, oh, suddenly she's back interested again. Hey, look, there's a multiplicity. There's a multiplicity <laughs> of people within all of us, you know. So we can all be the good guy. We can all be the bad guy, you know. And like, I, I think it's, I, I, I don't want to judge Sarah too much for, uh, you know, she's not the first person to fall for bad boy, you know. But like, yeah, George is both of those things, and I think that's what she loves and absolutely hates about him at the same time. But the, the that what cannot be denied is that there is huge amounts of passion and feeling between the two. Oh, you sense that from the off, yeah. yeah. Did you watch any sort of time travel related uh, concepts before? I think of like Time Cop with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I don't know if I remember seeing that, but it's a similar sort of concept. Right, uh, I've not seen that one. It was, I think it was like came around the early 90s, but he right, goes right. back right. on this mission and he ends up bringing his wife back. But okay. then it, he's then back years later and he's got this family and it's like, oh, he hasn't even really met them. Wow. So it's like the implications of it are quite wow. quite extreme, which oh, you kind I've of got, explore in, in, yes, in the show. Yes, I've got to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch any specifically to prepare for this, but I have seen, you know, like a big fan of Looper, the film with uh, Bruce Willis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Groundhog Day, like Inception has got a kind of similar, going through different layers to sort out things that happen in different parallel worlds type things. So like those, those are all kind of background influences for me and definitely for Joe as well but like at the same time we're trying to create something original and something that feels like right for us and something that we we're organically um I suppose imbuing with life you know so like all of that stuff is useful and not useful at the same time yeah that makes sense that's for a little hypothetical I like hypotheticals yeah, so sure. again if you could personally go back it's right now let's say this room in this very nice hotel room yeah. could take you transport you back to a moment what would you like to go back to oh, that's a great question uh, I mean like I I hate to like rain on this but like I think one thing that we learn from the television show as well is that going back doesn't necessarily fix things you know like because like you can go back and bring someone back from the dead or you can go back and you know like tell that person that you love them or you know cross the road it but like there's always like consequences 
there's always like you know the butterfly effect whatever that that ends up like having an equal and opposite force and reaction you know so like I, I, I there were a lot of things that I'd love to say I think it would be a good idea for me to do but I do genuinely believe that things happen in the way that they happen for a reason and I wouldn't I wouldn't quickly like mess meddle with that so yeah, it's a bit yeah. of a boring answer but no like, I get it, it I get it's it it's just because I, thought, I have thought about yeah. it a lot and I yeah. look at George a lot and I try and think about like is it going to be worth it you know and like yeah. I don't know I yeah I mean you'd have to ask him if it actually but that's part of the whole moral being, dilemma like, isn't it exactly what are you going to come back to yeah um, yeah and like once you have these kind of responsibilities you can no longer just say I'll deal with the consequences later because the consequences will be different you know you can't just like live in the moment you have to think forward it's fascinating it really is and you guys do a great job with the show oh you're so kind thank you no honestly I really do let's go to another plot twist question okay so this one's on a plot twist person Uh so this is someone that I suppose is yeah a surprise entity that has come into your life who has influenced you in some shape or form that perhaps Maybe a few weeks before you met them, or however you wouldn't have you wouldn't have foreseen. I'm trying to think of someone that would be like surprising as well. Do you know what I mean? Because like I, I suppose like again, and I don't know if this is again about how like I kind of like view myself, but I honestly like view like every single new person that I end up working with as like a potential like someone to learn from or someone to be inspired by, and and so many people have been like that for me, you know, and. There've been like loads of like like I said to you like you were like I I watched Lenny in a play and uh, I watched Lenny in a TV show and then ended up working with him you know so like there's a kind of full circle that's around that like doing doing a play with Sam and like having watched him and whatever and then ended up working with him with this or like going to drama school with people and ended up making television shows with them you know. Um, so like I think it's really easy to kind of draw connections with so many people I did a film with Alex Garland right and I read his book The Beach um, when I was on in Thailand on my gap year when when I was 18 and watched his film Ex Machina and loved it and watched Devs in lockdown and absolutely like adored it it was like my favourite thing I watched when we were all like stuck in our in in our flats and then you get an email saying like hey like he wants to have a cup of tea with you and then we end up like having a very weird like very weird like Negroni and uh, Scott (laughs) remember when you had to like have um you could only have drinks in lockdown if you had food with it yeah 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 Yeah, so we ended up having this like we went to this like members club and we had like a Negroni and a scotch egg you know like and that's so (laughs) surreal and like he's a surreal guy anyway but like you know that that ended up being whatever it was and the Russell T Davis similarly like grown up like watching his, his his shows and loving his shows and then ending up working with him and he's been someone who's been like incredibly supportive and kind to me um in my career as well so yeah I I, I, I there's kind of too many to really kind of focus on one that feels surprising because I I kind of hope and expect um that kind of mentorship or that kind of inspiration or at least that kind of like long-term uh, creative collaboration with someone. Um, for most people that I meet. Do, do you reflect on it? I often like to ask actors that. Do they reflect on their experiences? Like you've you've watched Lenny James, you've you've read Alec Garfield's book, and then suddenly you're 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 collaborating with them. Yeah. It's, it's you and them. Yeah. Do you reflect on that? And think, wow, I did that. That's pretty. That's pretty special. Yeah. I mean, I'm I try, I'm trying to do that a bit more 
you know, because you can kind of get, so I feel like if you're lucky enough to kind of like work in a consistent and hopefully like a positively moving way, you can get so caught up in the momentum of it that it just feels like goalposts are consistently and constantly changing and you just, everything's just a new normal. More is looking forward. Yeah, That's the thing, isn't it? More is looking for exactly. the next goal, the next thing. And yes, sometimes kind of actually... Like you, you can end up feeling a little bit insatiated, you know, yeah. or insatiated. But like... But to go back and think, yeah, I I'm trying that. to That's do a bit more cool. of that, you know. Even like being sat here with you, you know, like this is this is like I when I was little, I I, I dreamed of even having Sky. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like all my friends had like Sky and like cable. That's what they called it then. And I would like pretend that I had Sky and be like, yeah, yeah, I watched WWF at the weekend and, <laughs> yeah. and all of that, but I never had it, you yeah. know. So like to go from that dreaming of even being able to watch it to being on the front front cover or like the the poster of like a major Sky original project is like. It's crazy when I look at like my six or seven year old self, you know, so I, I, I'm trying to be a bit more conscious in how to contextualize those things, both in, in as a means of like having real gratitude for these moments, but also as rocket fuel to continue going on and, and making more and getting better and improving and, and moving forward. But I think it's a good question. Like, I think all of us could do well to do that. Because yeah, we always think about the goals, what's next, and that's yeah. just like, and I did that. And or that, what we know. haven't done, right? Exactly. So, like, the brain, yeah. the human mind is so, like, uh, geared towards, like, thinking what it doesn't have or what it hasn't done or what it did wrong or whatever. Whereas, like, there's something so beautiful about what we have done and, and what we never thought we could have done or the little victories or whatever, like, yeah. Now, you've not been afraid to take on a challenging role. I love that about you. <laughs> I think that's great. I think that's fantastic. But I was interested because you've done a, a variation of roles, and, and but what's what's sort of been the most challenging out there that you've you've really had to work hard on to get to grips with? I was just well, generally quite intrigued seen, like, on that. Most jobs, I kind of feel it's going to be my last job, and like yeah, the imposter syndrome, like I've got to get found out and whatever. But in terms of like. Uh, challenges the challenges are always different you know something like Lazarus Project is hard because it's a long shoot you shoot for six months we all move to um, South Wales um, we're working and we like this this last season we shot the first season we shot in in, in Paris as well in partly in Paris partly in Barcelona mostly in Wales but we shot in lockdown we, we in, right. in the first lockdown you know so properly masked up getting tested every day like all of that stuff so that those those are really challenging circumstances to be able to be working intensely and intimately and second the second season we shot in that really cold winter that we had last year and you know like you go into the studio it's dark at like 8 a.m or whatever you come out of the studio it's 8 p.m it's still dark you never see the sun like all that it's like very very intense and demanding and a lot but like obviously the the it, it pays dividends um, six months down the line when you have this like amazing thing that we can all be very proud of but the challenge is great and and that is the same with anything that kind of like takes you away from your your anchored place your home your family your friends whatever but yeah the challenges are different for for everything for doing plays for doing films for doing television for doing radio whatever the challenges are different but like you say it's it's not something that i'm not scared of i'm definitely scared of it but but it's something that I think is important to really solidify development. Mm. And I feel like if any of us are going to get better or if any of us are going to discover something new, both about ourselves or about whatever we're doing, you've got to move towards the thing that's uncomfortable and towards the thing that's challenging and towards the thing that you might fail at. 
you know, like the potential of failure is actually the thing that kind of opens the door to something that could be really successful. I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. I think you've got to be you've got to be courageous in order to, to, mm-hmm. to grow and put yourself in situations that. Yeah. And courage doesn't mean kind of like absence of fear or absence of anxiety right. or like just assuredness that's not mm. necessarily courage. in fact i don't think that's courage at all courage is like looking at something that you really don't understand or something that you feel that you might not be able to supersede or whatever and doing it anyway and seeing what happens i think that is something that like will really kind of like be the basis for your own sense of self-belief and your sense of um self-encouragement and yeah perseverance and yeah, I think that's a really important um, instinct to sharpen as a as a freelancer of any of any time. I couldn't agree more. Do you, do you manifest at all? I'm not the person who kind of like writes. Like I, I've got a couple of mates who like at the start of the year they write, "I'm gonna earn X amount of money," or "I'm going to." Or, I'm going to meet someone that looks like this and it has happened. Yeah, so I'm very impressed by that. I'm not someone who manifests in that way because like. I don't like to limit the potential of what can happen, but like I do try and say yes as much as possible or try to be like open to opportunity as much as possible and see what comes as a result of that. So like I have an openness as opposed to a predestined demand. Yeah, never limit how far you could go. Yeah. You could be the next James Bond. Could I? I reckon. I guess no one's doing it right now. It's up in the air, right? Somebody, cause somebody's got to be selected. Someone's got to do it, I guess. Barbara, go on the blower. You have a word of mercy, <laughs> she says. Yeah. Like, well, I've got absolutely <laughs> zero influence whatsoever. Oh, but, well, if you've got you a know, number, you know, right? I'm sure she'll listen know. to you. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so oh, much for your time. Flown, that's actually flown I by. Know. Thank you so much. A little for, trip um, down memory lane. That was nice. Yeah. yeah uh, that was good. But, like, I feel like we got kind of philosophical and like... A little, I like that. I, I, like I hope that. it wasn't too like internal, internal and... Uh, yeah, speculative. I, I, I like understanding how a creative person thinks. Yeah. I enjoy that. Yeah. So I'm all for it. I oh, thank you so yeah. much. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, appreciate your time. Good luck with the series. I'm sure it's going to smash it. We're going to go on to the next one. And then we can do this again, right? Yeah, I'll see you in a year. All right. Cheers, Papa. Isn't he lovely? Pape Essie on Plot Twist. He was considered, he was kind, self-assured, very balanced guy, thoroughly enjoyed it. And actually, I've been asked in the past, like, is there a question you wish you'd ask somebody after the interview? And often I've thought, actually, it's about reflecting back and how they consider themselves based on previous roles. We do it in everyday life when we think about what we've done, whether it's travel, jobs, socially, but what about somebody that is mega successful in their industry, like Papyrus with acting? Do they reflect back on their journey and their story and, and actually absorb it and take it all in? I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was really good. His plot twists, I suppose, how he got into acting and looking like he was going to go into med school, that was pretty much on the table. He put in the work behind the scenes, certain jobs, working in a pharmacy, all the studying, but clearly the passion was elsewhere. And he's been thriving ever since. And that leads me on to The Lazarus Project. All episodes, series one and two, are available on Sky and now. Go and check it out. Very interesting getting Papa's take on the show, but also the concept of time travel. 
He seemed more cautious, perhaps, about doing it. You know, I'm still on the fence because I think there's this curiosity to find out going back. But I think changing the present is quite a scary proposition. And you kind of face all of those dilemmas within the Lazarus Projects. Do go and check it out. It's fantastic. A big thank you to Papa Essidou. And until next time, ciao, guys. Ciao.